he's the third member of the Trinity, and he's a person, and uh, he can be hurt, and we don't want to do anything to hurt him. We don't want to do anything to hurt him. And uh, there's some things mentioned in the scripture uh, that where people did some things to hurt him. And uh, so let's point those out tonight. Let's be aware of them so that we don't do any of them. First of all, in Acts, the fifth chapter and the third verse, uh, of course, they were having a church service evidently there. And uh, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, remember that husband and wife? And uh, they had sold a piece of land. And they, uh, well, actually Ananias came in first and then his wife came, uh, I think it was three hours later, something like that. And uh, uh, they had sold a piece of land and they had kept back part of the, uh, part of it. But they came to the service and made like they were given the whole thing if you will. And, uh, but they'd kept back part of it. Now they didn't have to uh, give the whole thing. They could have given just whatever they wanted to give. But they made out like they were given the whole thing. And notice in the third verse, Acts 5.3, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to what? To lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price, part of the price of the land for yourself. Now, Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit. Well, you say, well, wait a minute, he, he lied to Peter. Yeah, but Peter was under the influence. You know, we talked the other Sunday about being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We showed you from the Bible how how Christians act when they're under the influence. Well, Peter was under the influence. And Ananias lied to Peter, but Peter was under the anointing. We could say it that way. He was, the power of God was on him. And so in so doing, Ananias was lying to the Holy Spirit. Did you know the Holy Spirit can be lied to? But it's a dangerous thing to do. Now, uh, actually, this has to do with what Ananias and then his wife Sapphira, you realize that they both fell down dead in the church service and they had to be carried out and buried. See, it's a dangerous thing to lie to the Holy Spirit. But as you study what they actually did, it has to do with hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Um, you know, that word hypocrisy, actually I think it means to speak from behind a mask, you know. And it's to actually say one thing and do another to say one thing and do another, or to make out like you're something that you're not. And the thing about this is that Ananias and Sapphira did it blatantly and openly right to Peter as he was under the anointing. And let me just read from my notes here. The devil filled the heart of Ananias and, of course, his wife, Sapphira, to lie about the size of their offering showing forth to be something that they really were not. And uh, evidently, they wanted to appear more spiritual than what they really were. Uh, there are many people, you need to realize, there are many people who come to church who appear 
uh, before their fellow Christians to be very spiritual and sanctified. But in truth, however, they have secret secret sins and things in their life and and uh, they have secret sins and their apparent sp- spirituality is just a facade. You know, there's, there's a lot of times people come to church and they'll talk so badly about the pastor before they get here and then they'll come in and, oh, hi, pastor, how you doing? How you doing, pastor? Or they'll talk bad about you before they get here and then when they come in they say, see you, hi, how you doing? Huh? And they were just talking bad about you before they got out of the car. You know, we shouldn't do that, should we? Should we? We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that, dear friends. We shouldn't do that. You know? I like to be what you see is what you get. I've already seen it where people have, have talked to me and shook my hand and, oh, Pastor, this is this the greatest message I ever heard. And then word gets back to you that they went out to the restaurant afterward and just tore me up one side and down the other. Now, you know that shouldn't ought to be to me or anybody else. Is that right? Remember this about, remember this, if people will talk bad to you about somebody else, they'll talk bad about you when you're not around. Guaranteed fact. Guaranteed fact. Did, did you hear me? Guaranteed fact. So, uh, so but, but what they were doing here is they were, it had to do with blatant and open hypocrisy. And uh, they were lying to the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's a dangerous thing to do. So let's don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Now then there's something else that you can do to the Holy Spirit that, that you shouldn't do. It's found in Acts 7, verse 51. Acts 7, verse 51. Let's go over there. And of course, uh, Stephen, you know, is preaching. And uh, he was the first martyr of the church. And, uh, you know, he was put put to death for the cause of Christ. and uh, But nonetheless, Acts 7, verse 51, he's preaching to these Pharisees, you know, and he says to them, he says, you stiff-necked. Well, actually, that means stubborn. You stubborn and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always what? What, is, what, are they, what were they doing? They resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. So the Holy Spirit can not only be lied to, which is a dangerous thing to do, but he can be resisted. And very oftentimes people resist him and resist what he wants to do. Here we have sinners, you know, Pharisees that were not saved, resisting the Holy Spirit in their refusal to receive Jesus as Savior. But do you know Christians can resist the Holy Spirit as well? By not obeying the leading, by not obeying his leading and giving God his way in their lives. You know, uh, we talked the other Sunday, I guess it was, about being led by the Spirit. And, you know, uh, when the Holy Spirit's leading you in a certain direction and you don't follow him, what are you doing? You are resisting him. You're resisting him and resisting what he wants done. And, and that's, that's not a good place to be in either. Uh, you see, the sinners here, these Pharisees, resisted the preaching of Stephen so much so that they put him to death. Sometimes people will resist the will of God so, so much. See, the will of God was for them to get saved. Did you know it's the will of God for everybody to be saved? 
Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Is that right? But some people can resist even to the point that they'll put somebody to death, which is what they did to Stephen. They stoned him to death. And I've watched Christians, you know, resist the, resist the leading of the Holy Spirit. Just resist him and resist him and resist him. And, uh, and you know, the Holy Spirit, learn this about him, he is a gentleman. And he will not make you do anything. God won't make you do anything. He, he really won't. He's a gentleman. He, he, won't, he won't make you get saved. You realize that? You understand that? He won't make, he won't force salvation on anybody. Is that right? Okay. He won't make you do anything. He's a gentleman. He'll let you go to hell if you want to. I don't want to. How about you? But there's people that have resisted. I know some of them. They've resisted and resisted. I, I've watched people. I have family members that resisted the, the, the wooing of the, the wooing. You know what I mean? The wooing of the Holy Spirit to get saved. And they resisted it and resisted it and resisted it right up to the point of death and resisted right to the point of death, died and went to hell. Isn't that sad? I've watched Christians that, that they'll resist the, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit and resist and resist and resist. You know one thing that I... And they continue to resist. And, and one thing I've learned is that as I've watched people, one reason that they keep resisting over a long period of time is that after so much time goes by to give in to the Holy Spirit's will, you know why they won't do it? It's because they'd have to admit that they were wrong. And there's, there's people, Christians, that would rather go on in disobedience than admit that they were wrong. Isn't that sad? I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but when I've ever missed it, I've always been quick to... I learned a lesson from David. He was quick to repent and quick to forgive. If I miss it, then, I'm, then I miss it, you know. And then we make an adjustment and we move on, you see. Amen. So don't resist the Holy Spirit. Now, as a result of lying to the Holy Spirit or resisting the Holy Spirit, he can be grieved. He can be grieved. Look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and the 29th verse. Ephesians 4.29. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit being grieved, grieving the Holy Spirit. Remember, he's a person, and he can be grieved. And so we don't want to grieve him. Lying to him will grieve him. Resisting him will grieve him. And we're going to also notice some other things in these verses, Ephesians 4.29, that will grieve the Holy Spirit. Notice this. Let no corrupt word or communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve, notice, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now notice here, it, I think it goes without saying that lying to the Holy Spirit would grieve him. Resisting him would grieve him. But we notice some other things that grieve him. At verse 29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. 
Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Well, right away, most people start thinking about cussing. Now, that's part of it. We shouldn't cuss. Is that right? That's corrupt communication. But you know, talking bad about somebody is corrupt communication. Not gossiping is corrupt communication. Is that right? And so we need to be watchful. We need to be as watchful about gossip and backbiting as we are cussing. And I'll say this, words that are spoken that are not in faith is also in God's view corrupt communication. You know the Bible says all that is not of faith is sin. And so when we speak words that are embalmed with doubt and unbelief, God considers that corrupt communication. Did you hear me? And when we do that, I believe we're grieving the Holy Spirit. And then he says here, but what is good for necessary edification? That means to build up, see. We need to be speaking words that build folks up, not tear down. You know, it takes no skill, no class whatsoever to tear something down. But it takes some skill to build something up. I remember when we bought this property, there were some houses, some old houses on it. And you know what, in, in tearing those houses down, you know, you didn't, I didn't, didn't need much skill. I mean, just show up with a sledgehammer and just, just start swinging. But you know what, it took some skill to put this place, this, this building together and to wire it properly and the plumbing and all of that. Don't ever forget that. It takes no skill whatsoever to talk bad about somebody and run somebody down and hurt somebody. It takes no skill, no class at all to do that. But I tell you what, it takes some skill. It, take, it takes some doing uh, uh, to really build people up and speak good words and words of edification. And that's what we ought to be doing. We shouldn't be going around looking to find fault in people. We ought to be going around looking to find good in people, you see. The Bible says we ought to be believing the best of everybody, right? And so, so let, let's, I, and I'm telling you, when we go around talking bad about folk and, and finding fault with things and tearing things down and, and all of that, I'm telling you, it's grieving the Holy Spirit. So we don't want to do that, you see. Then it says, the Bible says, verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Why? Because when we do that, it grieves the Holy Spirit. I, I tell you what, do you know you're, the Holy Spirit, if you're born again, the Holy Spirit's in you. Did you know that? And, and I'll tell you what, there's been times where I, I back you know, years ago, I, you know, you go to talk bad about somebody, and I'll go you one better, not just talk bad about them, but let's say this. You start listening to somebody talk bad about somebody else, and there's just something on the inside that just, uh, you know what I'm talking How many knows what I'm talking about? You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit being grieved by that. Not just talking about somebody, but listening to somebody else do it. Boy, it would be real good right there to say, stop, hold it, please, 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 don't, don't, don't talk bad about that person. And then the person will say, well, why not? Because you're grieving the precious Holy Spirit of God that's on the inside of me. And he's my friend and I don't want him grieved. Amen? So let's not only not talk bad about folk, but let's don't listen to that either. Stop folk. Stop folk. Say, no, no, I don't want to listen to that. 
I don't want to listen to the negative comments you have, have about so-and-so. I'm going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to believe the best about him, you see. How many has ever had the Holy Spirit? You could tell he was grieved on the inside, beside me. Be kind to one another, verse 32 says. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So let's do these things and we'll not grieve the Holy Spirit. Then the next thing is found in Isaiah 63, verse 10. Let's go to Isaiah 63, verse 10. I'm going to read this one out of the King James Version. Okay, Isaiah 63, verse 10, out of the King James Version. It says, but they rebelled. Talking about the, the people of God, you know, rebelled. And notice what they did to His Holy Spirit. They vexed, V-E-X-E-D, they vexed His Holy Spirit. Therefore he was turned, uh-oh, he was turned to be their enemy and he fought against them, vexing the Holy Spirit. Now that word for vex is also translated grieved. Now we just talked about grieving the Spirit. But this word for vex actually, it's a worse thing than grieve. It's a worse thing to vex him than to grieve him. Now, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, but I certainly don't want to vex him. It's worse than grieving him. Now, as I studied this out, I, I came to this conclusion. I believe the difference between grieving and vexing the Holy Spirit is that in grieving him, you are resisting his leading. But in vexing him, you're not only resisting him, but you're also pursuing that which is opposed to Him. Did you get that? It's one thing to resist, but it's another thing to resist and then do something that is diametrically opposed to what God wants. A good example of this would be the children of Israel. How many remember the children of Israel? Now... They had been led out of Egyptian bondage. Remember that? They were led out of Egyptian bondage. And, of course, as you look at it, Moses went up on the mountain. Is that right? Remember he went up on the mountain? And the people that were left down in the camp, of course, Aaron became their leader while uh, Moses was up on the mountain. And the people of God didn't just resist the will of God. But what did they do? They built a golden calf and began to worship it. They made an idol and began to worship it. And you know that idol was diametrically opposed to God. And so not only did they resist the, the, the Holy Spirit, but then they did something diametrically opposed to what He would want. And in so doing, they vexed Him. And uh, this, this vexing also implies this. And listen carefully to this, because we're talking about vexing the Holy Spirit. It also implies a deep cutting hurt from ingratitude for goodness shown. Ingratitude for goodness shown. Uh, the, the, the children of Israel, they vexed the Holy Spirit. The Bible just said they did. And they were not grateful for all the goodness that He showed to them. Were they? No, they weren't. They weren't grateful. They weren't grateful. 
Oh, if they were grateful, it was just for a short time. But what did they continually say? We'd have been better off to stay back there in, in Egypt. Is that right? And so in so doing, they were, they were not grateful for the goodness that the Holy Spirit had shown to them. And in so doing, they vexed him. They, they, they cut him to the heart, if you will. They hurt him. They, 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 hurt, they hurt the Holy Spirit. I don't want to hurt the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, he's done so much for me. He's helped me so much. God has done so much for me. You know, he sent Jesus to the cross uh, and died on the cross so I don't have to go to hell. Isn't, I mean, I think that's wonderful. And I'm grateful to him. I'm thank, can you say amen? I'm grateful for that. You know, I, I thank him every day that he sent Jesus and that Jesus came, that he died on the cross, he was buried on the third day, rose from the dead, that he shed his holy sinless blood for me. I'm just so grateful for that. You could never thank him enough for that. If you thanked him from daylight to dark every day, the rest of your life, it still wouldn't be enough for all he's done for us through the redemptive work of Christ. I thank God that He sent the precious Holy Spirit to live within us. Praise God. Amen. And so I'm grateful. I'm so grateful that, that, I'm, that I'm not only born again, but I'm, I'm so thankful and grateful that I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Praise God. Amen. How about you? Glory to God. You know when you repent of your sins and you place your faith in the Lord Jesus, you get born again. You get born of the Spirit. But you know, Jesus himself said to a group of people that were born again, he said, go wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Didn't he say that? And then in another place he said, until you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Did you know there's an experience, clearly, you've studied your Bible, haven't you? Haven't you? There's an experience subsequent to salvation whereby you can be what is called baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amen endued with power from on high. And, the, and, and an evidence of that is speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Amen. Praise God. I believe in that. The Bible teaches that. See, a lot of times folks will think that when you get, when you get born again, that's all there is. Well, let me tell you, when you get born again, the Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of you. You understand that? But there's instance after instance after instance after instance in the book of Acts where again, and, and even at the end of the ministry of Jesus, the disciples, he came into the room after he was raised from the dead and he breathed on them. He said, receive the Holy Ghost, right? And that's where they got born of the Spirit. That's where they're going to miss hell and make heaven. But then he also said, right after that, he says, go into Jerusalem and wait until you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. How many remembers that? Exactly. Sure he did. And then on the day of Pentecost, what happened? The Holy Spirit came and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Is, is that correct? Amen. Amen. And then there's other instances in the Bible. Remember when Paul met the, the, those... See, I'm being led by the Spirit right now. This isn't in my notes. But there's somebody here tonight needs to hear this, more than one. Is it okay if we, we're still led by the Spirit of God? And he met that group of 12, remember? And what did he say to them? You could read this in the book of Acts. He said, have you, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we don't even know whether there is a Holy Spirit. Isn't it good to know you don't have to know much to get saved? All you have to know is one word, one name to get saved. That's J-E-S-U-S. -S. Praise God. Amen. 
You repent of your sins, believe on Him, you get saved, and the Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of you. But there's an experience then whereby you can be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And they said, we don't even know whether to be a Holy Ghost. And then he asked them what they were baptized unto. It said, unto John's baptism. And he said, truly, John baptized with the baptism of repentance. But nonetheless, then he, he, he rebaptized them. And then he laid his hands on them. And guess what they did? They spoke with tongues and prophesied. And there's instance after instance after instance. Remember there in Samaria, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached. What did he preach to him? He preached Christ. And they gave heed to what he preached. And, they got, and, and there was great joy in the city. Why was there great joy in the city? Because the city received Jesus and they got born again. But then the Bible says, when they heard uh, that they'd received the word of God, they sent Peter and John. Remember that? How many, how many has read your Bible? You remember that? And they went down there. And what happened? What happened? You remember what happened? The Holy Ghost fell on them. The Holy Ghost fell. Remember? The Holy Ghost fell on them. Well, they were born again at the preaching of Philip, but then they were baptized with the Holy Ghost as a result of what Peter and John did when they came, you see. Thank God for the new birth, but I also thank God for the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I also thank God for the healing power of God. How about you? God's healed hundreds of people in this ministry over the last 15 years. I believe in the healing power of God. How about you? Praise God. So I thank God every day that I'm saved, baptized with the Spirit, healed by the power of God, missing hell, going to heaven. Praise God that He supplies all of my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ. How about you? Amen. So let's be thankful. Why be thankful? So that we don't vex the Holy Ghost. I don't want to vex Him. How about you? I don't want to resist Him. I don't want to grieve Him. I don't want to vex Him. Let me read from my notes here. Vexation also carries with it a holy indignation shown forth by God toward ingrates or people who are not grateful and as a result they vex the Holy Spirit. Oh, please listen to me. If you want to get anywhere with God, be a, an appreciative person for all that He's done for you. Will you do that? Always thank Him, appreciate Him. And you see these, these people here, he, he blessed them and 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 then they turned right around and kicked dust right in His face, so to speak. And you do that long enough, you'll vex the Holy Spirit. And what happened? The Bible said here in verse 10, Therefore He was turned to be their enemy and He fought against them. I don't want the Spirit of God working against me. How about you? So let's just obey Him and flow with Him. And things will go good. Amen? Now, now the last thing I want to cover with you concerning things we need to be watchful of here is quenching the Holy Spirit. Quenching the Holy Spirit. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.19. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Quenching the Holy Spirit. I don't want to quench Him. How about you? Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.19. says what? Do not, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench Him. Don't quench him. Well, now, to quench, what does it mean to quench? It means to extinguish or to put out, like putting out a fire. Now, the Bible talks about the fire of the Spirit. You know, there is a fire of the Holy Ghost. Did you know that? There is a fire of the Spirit. And I don't want to do anything to extinguish that, do you? Mm-mm. Because 
You see, in, in so doing, we'd quench him. And I don't want to quench him. You see, the Holy Spirit can be lied to, resisted, grieved, and vexed to the point that he's quenched in a person's life. Did you hear me? The Holy Spirit can be lied to, resisted, grieved, and vexed to the point that he's quenched in a person's life. Now, in some cases, remember Ananias and Sapphira? We talked about them just a moment ago. Now, now the Lord took more extreme action with them immediately than with most. And actually, he quenched them, didn't he? Well, I don't want him quenching me like that. How about you? However, it's more likely that, you know, we have Ananias and Sapphira fallen dead in church. You see that in in the book of Acts. You know, why God did that the way he did that, you'll have to ask him one day. But what I've observed is this. It's, more, it's not likely that you're going to fall dead in the church. Could happen, but you know. Uh, I like, I've, never, I've never seen anybody fall dead in church. Uh, one minister said, uh, Brother Hagen made the statement that he had somebody years ago drop dead in his healing line. Wouldn't that be something if you were playing for the sick and somebody fell down dead? I remember, I was, can I tell you a story real fast? Probably when I was up here preaching one Sunday morning, now I can tell you this story because the lady was fine in the end. So she was fine in the end. But I'm up here teaching one Sunday morning, you know, just having a good time teaching. And off to my left, sitting over in here, you know, because the place, you know, we use all the sections on Sunday morning. There's a lady over here. And, well, I didn't know it was a lady, but I heard this... <laughs> And I'm up here teaching, you know, but I'm thinking, you know, sounds like something I heard when I was teaching school. So I proceeded on, and then the next thing you know, I hear, <laughs> again. And so I look off to my left, and there's this lady there, and her eyes have, she's kind of like over like this, kind of laying on her husband, and her eyes are rolled back in her head, and she's <laughs> going like that. And I'm thinking, well, I put this lady to sleep. I mean, if I just, I mean, I did better. I mean, I just put her out cold, you know. I guess I, I thought, it's okay to laugh in church, okay. I mean, I thought I just, I thought, you know, she's gone. I mean, she's, she's sleeping. And then it continued on. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? So I continue on, and she's continuing. And so I look over there again, and by this time her husband, he didn't want to draw any attention to the situation, and he kind of raised his hand like that. And I said, I said, yes, sir. And he said, Pastor, I think I'm going to need some assistance here with my wife. And, and I said, well, it looks like that, doesn't it? So I said to everybody, I said, let's all pray. So I got people praying. And, uh, and so then I, I remember I called back to the sound booth. I said, uh, I said, dial 911. And whoever was working in the sound booth cried back up and said, what's the number? Now, it wasn't Gary that did that. It was somebody else. <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, you know, I'm thinking, I, hope that, I was thinking, I hope this lady's not dying because she's in trouble, sure enough. We're just gonna, you know, it's a natural and supernatural. This is going to have to all be supernatural because, you know, she'll die before the fire people get here. So the paramedics. Anyway, so we go down and we begin to pray. And so they call 911. And so I'm over here, you know, 
praying. And, and so by that time, the ushers had, and I can tell the story because the lady was fine in the end. The ushers had picked her up gently. And just as they had picked her up, there's a lady that was standing like a couple of rows back that thought she shouldn't be moved. And she cries out, unhand that woman. And the ushers just back off. And this woman just flops on the chair, you know, like a fish. But I saw her flopping there, you know. And, oh, my gosh, I hope we don't get sued, you know. So anyway, after a while, my wife comes over. Okay, take her. They take her back to the office. And so later on, we go to the hospital, check on her. She's fine. Everything's wonderful. But, but after that all happened, they take the lady out. I come back up, get in the pulpit. And how many knows Paul Fonts? Now, I love Paul with all my heart. And if he was here, I'd tell the same story. But Paul raises his hand. And I said, not now, Paul. Because, you know, we've already had enough go on. So, and, and Paul just raised... Now, I'm not talking bad about Paul. You can call him and tell him because I've told this story with him here. So, and he raises it and I said, not now, Paul. And he keeps his hand. I said, not now, Paul. And about three or four times. And not now. Okay. So finally, I finish my message and I dismiss... And Paul comes, you know, a beeline, he comes right for me, and he's not, you know, he's not that tall of a fellow, and he's an older guy. And he, don't tell him I said that, though. And he, and he gets right up in my face. Now, if you know Paul, you'll, this is hilarious. And he says, what I wanted to tell everybody was this. If you're going to die like we thought that lady might, there's no better place to do it than in church. <laughs> it's very true, isn't it? If you're going to die, there's no better place really to do it, I guess, than in church, as long as you're saved. Can you say amen? amen. How did I get off on that? Well, you can tell a story once in a while. Now let's get back and talk. finish this up. Quenching the Holy Spirit. So, anyway, he, he extinguished... Ananias and Sapphira, but it's, it's not likely you're going to fall dead in the church. But here's something that can happen if you extinguish, if you quench the Holy Spirit. One thing that will happen, and this is a terrible place to be in, is he'll stop dealing with you about something. I've had some things in my life where the Holy Spirit was dealing with me about stuff and I resisted him and resisted him and resisted him and resisted him to the point that, and I wanted him to leave me alone. I really did. I wanted him to leave me alone. I wanted him to leave me alone. And finally it got to the point where he started leaving me alone and I didn't like how I felt at that point. Don't ever want the Holy Spirit to leave you alone. Did you hear me? Don't ever want that. Because I've wanted that a few times in my life in a couple, just a couple of areas and I got what I wanted, but when I got what I wanted, I didn't want what I got. Because it's a horrible place to be when he stops talking to you about something. Do you hear me? That's a horrible place to be in. It's a horrible place to be in. You remember King Saul got to that place, didn't he? And, uh, and the Lord wasn't talking to him anymore. Remember that? And, and, and you may think at times that the Holy Spirit is, is, is you know, because I've been, there's a few, just a couple of times in my life where I, he was, he was, it's like he was bugging me, bugging me, and I didn't want to do it, didn't want to do it, didn't want to do it, leave me alone, leave me alone. You know, how many of you remember when the word of the Lord came to Jonah to go to Nineveh and Jonah didn't want to do it? And he went the other way. How many remembers that? Do you remember that? And the Bible says in the Amplified that he wanted, that he, he fled from the presence of the Lord as his servant 
He didn't want, if you study that out, Jonah didn't want to get away from the Lord. He didn't want the Lord talking to him about Nineveh because they were bad people in Nineveh and he didn't want to go there. And he wound up in the belly of the fish. I tell you what, it's, it's a horrible place to be when the Holy Ghost stops dealing with you in a certain area. But yet Jonah repented and the Lord, the word came the second time, the same thing. You know, even if you extinguish the Holy Spirit, that you know you can repent and he'll, he'll come back and take hold with you. Did you know that? Is, isn't he wonderful? It's not likely you'll fall dead in the service, but it's likely that if you continue to not listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll stop dealing with you and become quenched in a certain area of your life, whatever that may be. You can resist him so long that he'll stop dealing with you concerning whatever it is, and that's a horrible place to be. I'll say this as I close. The Holy Spirit can be quenched. Did you know that that a whole church can quench the Holy Spirit? Did you know that? The Holy Spirit can be quenched in a church service by indifference and apathy, both on the part of the minister and or the congregation. I've seen it where the Holy Spirit wanted to move. I've already seen it where the Holy Spirit wanted to move and heal people. But the minister was afraid that someone would be offended and the Spirit was quenched. Now you need to realize that I'm going to continue to move with the Holy Spirit. I don't think you'd want me to do anything less. Any way he wants to go. The only thing that's different now than, than it was before is that like if, 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 he, if I get out here on a Sunday or a Wednesday and I see he wants to move in the healing anointing, the healing, the healing power, we'll flow with that. The only difference between now and before is before if there was an uninformed person here, it would just be too bad. I was just going to do whatever he wanted done and I would, I'd leave that uninformed person in the dark. And now, the only difference is now, is we're still flowing with the Holy Ghost, but I'm going to give a, just a biblical explanation of what it is from the Bible that we're doing so that uninformed person can know what's going on and be blessed too. Can you say amen? amen. Isn't that wonderful? My attitude has changed toward, towards uninformed people. Before, well, if they don't know, they just don't know. But the Holy Spirit dealt with me. I need to walk in love towards them too. And if something goes on that, they, that they're not aware of what's going on, we need to just stop a minute, walk in love toward them, show them what's going on from the Word of God, and then go ahead and obey the Spirit of God, you see. That's not nothing wrong with that, is there? But I've seen where the Spirit of God wanted to move in healing, and the pastor wouldn't let him do it. Because somebody might be offended, you see. I've already seen it in the worship. Have you ever noticed in a, in a service where, the, where there's like a spirit of worship comes in? And, but then that gets cut off because we have to do the announcements now. Huh? No, let's, let, let's flow with the Holy Spirit. And if we have to put the announcements at the end, let's put them at the end. He needs to have His way in our services. You understand that. You know, I've seen it where the Holy Spirit wanted to move in a certain way in a service and the congregation, I've already seen it where He wanted to move, the Holy Spirit wanted to move and bless people, and, but, but it got to be a certain time and because it got to be a certain time, people had to leave, they wanted to go and so He got quenched. Now, you know, we're, we're having our, I, the Holy Spirit dealt with me, the services need to be a little shorter around here and they are. 
I'm going to have you out here in just a couple of minutes. One hour on Wednesday night and shorter on Sunday. But you know what? I've still been preaching 40 minutes on Sunday, and I've been, I've been going back and listening. You, you can say a lot in 40 minutes. We don't have to stay here until 12, 12, 15 to have God move. Can you say amen? But having said that, like tonight, if I knew, if I felt the Spirit of God wanted to move a certain way, we'll, we'll just stay till He's done. Or on Sunday morning. You okay with that? But by and large, we're going to get you out unless He's doing something. You know, once is He leading us to go a certain way, we're going to have you out a reasonable time. Now, is, are you okay with that? See? See? Okay. And you know, finally, there's been churches that have so resisted the Holy Spirit that the very atmosphere in the church is so dead, you can almost feel the deadness and know that the Holy Spirit's work has been completely quenched. You know, I've preached in a few of those churches over the years where you walk in and, and the atmosphere is just like, like, just ladled with death because the Holy Spirit's been quenched. Well, I don't want Him to be quenched in this church. How about you? I don't want Him to be, I don't want him to be lied to. I don't want him to be resisted. I don't want him to be grieved. I don't want him to be vexed. And I don't want him to be quenched in our personal lives or in our services, okay? And so let's just, let's just obey God. And I tell you what, I'm fixing, we're fixing to bless. You know what fixing means? We're getting ready to bless a whole lot of people this year. Amen? Praise God. You in with me? Amen. Praise God. All right, ushers come. Let's receive the tithe.